Welcome to the Nanco Wars podcast. It's the 10th of February 2021 and I would like to begin today's podcast with a beautiful quote by none other than Mr. Barack Obama. Yes, the former president of the United States. He had a very he said a very beautiful quote about uh, masculinity which I think a lot of listeners would uh, love to hear. So, here's the quote. It says All of us have to recognize that being a man is first and foremost being a good human. That means being responsible, working hard, being kind, respectful, compassionate. If you're confident about your strength, you don't need to show me by putting somebody else down. Show me you're a man by lifting somebody else up. End quote. That's a beautiful quote I feel. Um especially about all of this conversation about masculinity and a lot of people calling masculinity toxic toxic masculinity all of these things um i do believe that that might be true there is a form of masculinity that can be toxic where we try and put other people down where men use their strength to push other people down however i feel real masculinity is something to be discovered something that can help others and is it is a form of power that can be used for uplifting people so i really would want uh myself and every listener to embrace the positive side of masculinity if we can and i would want to do more research on what it means to be a man because that's who i am and we need to be our best versions all right A beautiful start to the podcast. Let's get into the news straight, baby. Woo! Okay, so the first news item I would want to talk about is straight out of a damn movie. There's this boy, a 23-year-old man. Actually, he's a man. He's 23 years old. Uh, a 23-year-old person was stuck on a hill for as long as 45 hours. That's almost two days. And this, this, this man was stuck there, and um, he had gone out with his friends to do a trek. and the next thing you know is the boy is stuck his name is r babu and he was perched on a small cavity on the hill in palakkad district in kerala but this is straight out of a movie dude i don't know how how many of you guys have seen 127 hours that's a great movie i would really highly recommend everybody to watch that movie 127 hours something on very similar lines this guy was stuck there and there's a picture of him uh, sitting on the hill you know perched on this cavity and he i mean you can't see his face but i can only imagine what he went through i know i'm giggling a little when i say this because he's safe now and there's also a beautiful picture there's one picture where he where he's stuck and next to that is a picture where he's uh, embracing the army soldiers the commanders that saved him again man what would we do without the indian army a big salute to these guys not only do they protect us from terrorists and um, anti-national activities but they also help people who get stuck on a mountain so thank you to the nami jai hind and uh, this is a story by sanju philippe for 45 hours 23 year old trapped on a hill has a state on the edge has has a state on the edge before the details trickled in the photo summed up the story perched precariously on the edge of a small ca- cavity on the side of a hill was a youth his knees drawn up despair on his face after a long pause that lasted two nights and a day there was another photo 
This time, he was surrounded by local rescuers and army commandos. There were smiles and hugs all around. Quote, Thanks to the Indian army, the youth said in a feeble voice, captured on camera. In the 45 hours, damn man, 45 hours being stuck on a mountain. I would not want that for anybody, even my worst enemy. In the 45 hours between these two frames, the story of R. Babu, a 23-year-old newspaper vendor, oh, newspaper vendors are very important, in Kerala's Palakkad had an entire state on the edge. It was on Monday that Babu and two of his friends started to climb the 1,000 feet high Kurumbachi Hill, Kurumbachi Hill, near the village of Cheradu in Malapuza. Not a regular or professional trekker, he did not inform his mother and younger brother at home about this climb. Around 2 p.m., while his exhausted friends took a break and squatted on a rock, Babu trekked. Babu trekked. Man, this is so insane. Mamu, Babu trekked up. But while coming down, coming back down, he faltered and slid, slid down the steep hillside until he got stuck in the cavity. And so began a survival drama that rivaled any movie script. Babu's distraught friends watched helplessly for a while. He was about 4,000 meters down, way beyond their reach. Then they ran to their village, screaming for help. Within hours, the police, district officials, the fire and rescue teams stepped in. Babu had managed to keep his smartphone in the fall and sent his Google location to the rescuers through WhatsApp. He also called his mother, Rashida, informing her for the first time about what he had been up to and where he was. Always call your mom. Never not tell your mom, especially if you're going to climb a hill, because she's going to be extremely <laughs> scared. And thankfully, there was network there, so he was able to contact her. But a lot of people just go to the mountains, man. I want to... The mountains are calling me, bro. I need to go there and all that stuff and they will not tell their parents and their loved ones and their family and they get lost there and I can only imagine the stress and I say this because I've done this so please don't do that <laughs> anyway um, yeah he was quickly located using a drone and the rescue team including local residents trekked up the hill on Monday night but they quickly realized that the rescue was far from over they could not reach near Babu who shouted out to them and flashed the torch in his phone as the hours ticked over and campfires were set up to keep wild animals away, the tension mounted as Babu's voice faded. On Tuesday, District Collector Muranmai Joshi and Superintendent of Police R. Vishwanath reached the village. By then, they had called the NDRF. NDRF is the National Disaster Relief Force, yes, which sent a rescue team. <clears throat> The Coast Guard sent a Chetak helicopter, which returned after a few sorties due to bad weather. Meanwhile, the health of Babu, stuck without water or food since Monday noon, became a concern. Local authorities tried to deliver food and water using the available drone, but the machine could not handle the load. By now, the crisis had reached the office of Chief Minister Pinarai Vijayan, who called in the army on Tuesday evening. If it was not for the army, I do not think this boy would have been uh, saved. Uh, there is no way in hell. Um, soon, two army officers, two JCOs and five other personnel reached the spot from Wellington in Tamil Nadu, even as a mountaineering team was ferried by the IAF from Bengaluru to Sulur near Coimbatore, about two hours away. 
the kerala police soon cleared the road for, for them to reach malappuzha without delay around tuesday midnight district collector joshi said the army team on drekki was able to talk to babu overnight a 20 member ndrf team remained on the hill on wednesday morning the rescue teams managed to pass on water around 10 am the army mountaineering team using ropes and climbing gear reached the cavity laksh ko har haal mein paana hai babu ko har haal mein bachana hai damn in the army dude thank god chehd around 10 am the army mountaineering team using ropes and climbing gear reached the cavity by 11 am they lifted babu with safety belts and ropes to the top of the hill from where a chopper airlifted him to the district hospital district medical officer dr r ramadevi described the youth's health as satisfactory but said he was under icu observation a defense spokesman said the army had deployed two teams from parachute regimental center in bangalore and madras regimental center wellington with one team stationed at the base of the hill to coordinate the rescue quote the most difficult part of the rescue was reaching the spot babu was trapped around 400 meters down from the top of the rock our climbing ropes have a maximum length of 200 meters hence we tied three ropes to reach the youth who weighs about 80 kg and lift him up starmon r pillai assistant commandant of kerala police high altitude rescue team who was part of the mission said quote it is a single rock with a height of 1000 feet to 1500 feet with a very sharp surface making climbing very difficult and dangerous the youth was trapped on the hill around 6 kilometers away from the base village due to the hot climate it was difficult to climb during the day everyone in the rescue team had ropes or other equipment weighing 30 kgs to carry even the army men took 5 hours to reach the top of the hill it was a sheer luck it was sheer luck that babu got trapped in the cavity a fall from there would have been fatal that does seem like something to consider here that guy is lucky dude cuz he did not fall down from the rock he actually got trapped in a cavity so if you ever fall from a mountain you want to get trapped in a cavity but at the same time you also want to have internet so that you can call your mom this rescue was the wish of a state this the said chief minister vijayan who thanked the army air force and coast guard by late when wednesday babu's mother who had been waiting below the hill for a day and night stepped up to thank all who struggled to get my son back quote he did not inform me about this journey and i was so tense after i could not contact him on his phone this incident should be a lesson for all rashida said listen to rashida bro always always tell your mom if you're going to climb a hill don't be don't be cool don't try and act smart always call your mom and your mom will tell you not to go but uh, sometimes as a 23 year old or as an adult you have to do what you got to do man and get stuck in a cavity and call the army and make a big spectacle out of yourself but i'm happy that the guy is alive and he's doing okay and uh, something out of a movie script came out of this entire story very interesting so there's been an update moving on there's been an update on the chinar corps instagram handle and facebook handle being uh, taken down which was which was blocked for 10 days um the update is that i think yeah the update is blocked for 10 days the instagram account of the indian army shrinagar based 15 corps also known as chinar corps was restored on wednesday morning 
The Facebook handle of the cops, however, continues to remain blocked, but is expected to be restored soon. Facebook, anyway, is just a dummy, dummy, dummy land, at least if you ask me. Um, but yeah, they're always too slow. Facebook is weird. I don't know. Uh, Instagram uh, got its thing together. Not that they're like owned by different people. But yeah, that's a good uh, that's a good update that at least the Instagram handle is back and um, yeah, this uh, coordinated campaign against the Indian Army pages is actually quite quite concerning. But at the same time, I think they can handle these things because they're the damn Indian Army man. Officials believe both the accounts of the Chinar cops were barred on January 28 because of a coordinated campaign. While there were no specific posts that Facebook or Instagram had objected to in their communication, both had mentioned that the accounts were in violation of, quote, coordinated inauthentic behavior. Okay, if, uh, okay, here's the thing. If Facebook or Instagram ever again asks the army, tells the army that they were inauthentic, I think we all need to leave. We all need to leave and go to Ku, man. Like, what the hell? Ku is that Indian social media, by the way. Uh, not the military coup or something. Uh, yeah. But this is stupid. Coordinated, inauthentic behavior by the Indian army. That is one of the most dumbest things I've heard in my life. Facebook and Instagram, you need to get your shies together. Anyway, the companies uh, define inauthentic behavior as, quote, the use of Facebook or Instagram assets to mislead people. Hmm. However, officials said the army wrote to both the companies and stated why the two accounts had not violated any of those terms. Instagram and Facebook are owned by the same company, Meta Platforms. The Facebook handle Chinar Corps IA had over 24,000 followers and over 23,000 likes and was even tagged as a government organization. The Instagram account had around 43,300 followers and was named Chinar Corps IA. There were 2,619 posts on the handle. It clearly identified itself, saying, quote, Welcome to the official account of Chinar Corps, Indian Army. Um, it's a good sign that the Instagram account is back, but um, the Facebook is still down, and it's a, the specifics are not even that necessary because the overall phenomena needs to be understood. This happened somewhere around the Republic Day, um, celebrations and there are a lot of there are a lot of factors and there are a lot of people I would say organizations that might be in the country or outside the country that are not big fans of the Indian Army and they want to take them down and they want to attack them in whatever way they can obviously they can't do them face to face because the uh, the Indian Army is to we all know the Indian Army is the damn best force in the world um, but at the same time, they can do this. They can report on social media and take a page down. But uh, this information warfare, I feel, uh, is nowhere. It's not ending anytime soon. And it's a shame that we are dependent so much on these uh, platforms that do not originate from our nation. Um, I wasn't kidding when I, when I was saying that maybe it's not a bad move for... Uh, some Indian social media company to become a little more mainstream so that at least these things don't happen to the Indian uh, accounts and at the same time I feel um, censorship is always an issue but yeah I hope um, Facebook gets its, get, gets its um, act together and restores the Indian army account ASAP do it bug
do it, Mark Zuckerberg. Come on, bro. What you doing, man? Building your freaking metaverse and forgetting about the Indian Army? Don't do that, bro. Don't mess with the Indian Army. Come on. Moving on to a piece of news which I feel is of immense national importance. Um, and it's actually quite uh, goosebumpy. Um, when I read this, it just makes me squirm a little. It's very sad. And it, um, I, f- I see this around me. I see this in the youth. I see this in people who are feeling not that good because of the years of pandemic that we have had. And people have lost money. People have lost their incomes. People have lost jobs. Um, life has been life is anyway quite difficult, but it has been become more difficult um, after ever since the advent of the pandemic. And now that we are starting to see a little bit of recovery, I really, really hope and pray that people are able to get their incomes back up. Um, but this this um, this is a statement by the government in Rajya Sabha, and uh, it has to be taken for what it is. It says suicides among unemployed crossed. 3,000 in 2020, COVID year. 3,000 people killed themselves in 2020. Uh, over 3,000 people killed themselves in 2020. Um, and they were unemployed. So this is actually quite sad. Um, that's like more than more than 10 a day. Yeah, that's like more than almost more than 10 a day. Um, this is a story by Deeptiman Tewari. And it goes, the first pandemic year, 2020, saw the highest number of suicides among the unemployed in the recent past, with the toll crossing the 3,000 mark for the first time, according to National Crime Records Bureau, NCRB data. Citing NCRB data, the Minister of State for Home, Nityanand Rai, said in a written reply in Rajya Sabha on Wednesday that 3,548 people died by suicide due to unemployment in 2020. Uh, before I read further on, I feel like at least it's a good sign that the government is being holding itself accountable and uh, talking, giving this data out into the public. So I want to uh, at least appreciate the government for doing this and putting the number out there for everyone to see and read. But it is actually quite, quite sad. The total number of suicides that year was... 1.53 lakh up from 1.39 lakh in 2019. In his reply, Rai also said that between 2018 and 2020, 16,091 died by suicide due to bankruptcy or indebtedness. So that's in two years. Two in two years, 16,091 people killed themselves uh, due to bankruptcy or indebtedness. 4,970 in 2018. 5,908 in 2019 and 5,213 in 2020. According to NCRB data, the highest number of suicides among unemployed in 2020 was reported from Karnataka, 720, followed by Maharashtra, 625, Tamil Nadu, 336, Assam, Assam, 234, and Uttar Pradesh, 227. In suicides due to bankruptcy or indebtedness, Maharashtra, which reports the highest number of farmer suicides each year, topped the list in 2020 which, with 1,341 deaths. Maharashtra tops the number of agriculture, like farmer suicides, which is so sad. Um, deaths followed by Karnataka, 1,025, Telangana, 947, Andhra Pradesh, 782, and Tamil Nadu, 524. 
Barring Tamil Nadu, the other states usually account for the most farmer suicides. According to NCRB data, suicides among the unemployed has been increasing over the last few years. The toll was to 2,851 in 2019, 2,741 in 2018, 2,277 2011-2022-2010-2407-2008-2009-2010-2011-2012-2013-2014-2015-2016-2017-2018-2019-2020-2021-2022-2023-2024-2025-2026-2027-2028-2029-2028-2029-2029-2029-2029-2029-2029-2
and just trying to get by to be honest man like you know we need money people need money to get by and if you don't have money it takes a hit on your it takes a hit on your self respect dignity employment creates dignity for people employment creates opportunities and it gives the freedom to be able to take decisions for your future and i really hope that there is a resolution to this problem and unemployment in this country begins to decline as we move on to a more normal life around us um yes and a question that needs to be addressed is um as to why youth unemployment even matters even though the answer for this for this could be very straightforward but there is this beautiful uh, there's a very beautiful write up that i found it talks about how in the recently released global risks report the world economic forum pointed out quote widespread widespread youth disillusionment as one of the main risks for india widespread youth disillusionment that sounds really scary by widespread youth disillusionment uh, world economic forum refers to quote youth disengagement lack of confidence and or loss of trust of existing economic political and social structures at a global scale negatively impacting social sociability individual well-being and economic productivity scenes of young people demanding jobs in up the most populous state in india are a pointer that unemployment may well be a key deciding factor for many voters especially the young the educated and women unemployment is not evenly distributed across the population data from the center of monitoring indian economy cmie shows that unemployment in india is highest among the youth rises with educational attainment and is higher among women this second point is actually quite uh, interesting the rises with educational attainment so the more education you get the higher chances there are that you'll be unemployed because i mean let's uh, we'll have to use a little bit of common sense to de- de- declutter this entire this this statement because imagine you've done your masters you've done your phd and you're not able to get a job in whatever you've studied like you know it's yesterday i was reading about how a man was about to set himself on fire because he is doing his ma in buddhist studies and uh, i mean as much as i would as much as i would want that person to be employed in research of buddhist studies it's a very sad fact that not many jobs are revolving around buddhist studies and even though i do not like saying what i'm saying right now but it's just a fact like studying buddhist studies is not going to lead that entire say if there are 50 people reading buddhist studies in his class how many of them are able to get a job around that same thing and there's a very high possibility that this man is studying buddhist studies because he is is interested in buddhism he wants to know more about it and he wants to research maybe become an archaeologist and you know go to places and you know try and research more about buddhism but it's just a sad fact that in this country the opportunities are so low that 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 person is most probably not going to be able to find something around buddhist studies um even though i really really hope that this changes and um yeah moving on moving on to another story about geomagnetic storms that killed uh, starling satellites um yeah what is a geomagnetic storm very interesting 
Elon Musk's Starlink has lost dozens of satellites that were caught in a geomagnetic storm a day after they were launched on February 3rd. Up to 40 of the 49 satellites were impacted, Starlink said, causing them to fall from the orbit before they could be recommissioned. Damn. Quote, Rocket Falcon 9's second stage deployed the satellites into their intended orbit with a perigee of approximately 210 kilometers above Earth, and each satellite achieved control flight. Unfortunately, the satellites deployed on Thursday were significantly impacted by a geomagnetic storm on February 4th, Starlink said in a statement on Tuesday. The satellites were designed to burn up on re-entry into Earth's atmosphere and did not create debris in space. However, the loss of 40 satellites, most of a launch batch, in a single solar event has been described as, quote, unheard of and huge. Solar storms flares. Solar flares. Man, these are going to be the end of humanity, I feel. <laughs> we take these things for granted, like, oh, let's just launch a satellite into orbit and, you know, watch our television. But um, there are things like solar storms out there. Solar storms are magnetic plasma ejected at great speed from the solar surface. They occur during the release of magnetic energy associated with sunspots. Um, quote, dark regions of the sun that are, sunspots are dark regions of the sun that are cooler than the surrounding photosphere and can last for a few minutes or hours. The solar storm that deorbited the satellites occurred on February 1 and 2 and its powerful trails were observed on February 3rd. Quote, the emerging data suggests that the passes, passing of the later part of the storm with its high density core possessed speeds higher than what was recorded during the storm's arrival, something we did not expect, said physicist Professor Debendu Nandi, head of the Center of Excellence in Space Sciences India, CESSI, at the Indian Institute of Science Education and Research, Kolkata. The storm, the storm was unusual, unexpectedly massive, and of a kind not seen in recent past, Professor Nandi said. Effect on Earth Not all solar flares reach Earth, but solar flares slash storms, solar energetic particles, SEPs, high-speed solar winds, and coronal mass ejections that come close, to, that come close can impact space weather in near-Earth space and up upper atmosphere. Solar storms can hit operations of space-dependent services like global positioning systems, radio, and satellite communications. Geomagnetic storms interfere with high-frequency radio communications and GPS navigation systems. Aircraft flights, power grids, and space exploration programs are vulnerable. CMEs, which are coronal mass ejections, which eject with ejectiles loaded with matter, Travelling at millions of miles an hour can potentially create disturbances in the magnetosphere, the protective shield surrounding the Earth. Astronauts on spacewalks face health risks from possible exposure to solar radiation outside the Earth's protective atmosphere. Man, Jeff Bezos, look out, bro. Predicting solar storms. Solar physicists and other scientists use computer mod models to predict solar storms and solar activities in general. The February 1 to 2 phenomena that knocked out Starlink satellites was predicted on January 29. That's actually quite cool. 
quote current models are capable of predict of predicting a storm's time of arrival and its speed but the storm structure or orientation can still can uh, orientation still cannot be predicted quote current models are capable of predicting a storm's time of arrival and its speed but the storm structure or orientation still cannot be predicted professor nandi said certain orientations of magnetic field can produce a more intense response from the magnetosphere and trigger more intense magnetic storms with the increasing global dependence on satellites for almost every activity there is a need for better space forecast and more effective ways to protect satellites we need to do this as a humanity otherwise we are doomed all right moving on to something a piece of news which uh, is actually quite serious on a constitutional and political level but it really cracks me up the chief minister of west bengal uh, mamta banerjee blocked governor jagdeep dhankar on twitter so a chief minister of a state had to block a governor of the state saying that she was forced to do so because of his unethical and unconstitutional statements and accused him of treating government officials like his servants dhankar responded with a series of tweets on the essence and spirit of democracy and saying the same's move was against constitutional norms i mean i do not know if it was against constitutional norms or not but dhankar definitely seems burnt cuz bro we all know what it feels like to get blocked by a girl man <laughs> days earlier okay this is funny this is funny all right i mean no matter how serious this might seem but a uh, chief minister had to block a governor and i think that's hilarious days earlier the tamil nadu government had taken exception to governor rn ravi's republic day speech articulating the benefits of neet n e e t the medical entrance exam tamil nadu has passed a bill to exempt the state from neet ravi has sent it back to the state there are two these are two of the many examples of bitterness between states and governors what are the governor governors powers friction with states and why this has happened why this happens so often um it's actually quite a conundrum in the constitution we have a governor and we have a chief minister governor has their own powers and the chief minister has their own powers and a lot of time there's a lot of friction between the two uh, the governor is appointed by the central government mostly and the chief minister is elected by the people what is the law on governor state relations although envisaged as a as an apolitical head okay i'll repeat this what is the law on governor state relations although envisaged as an apolitical head who must act on the advice of the council of ministers the governor enjoys certain powers granted under the constitution such as giving or withholding assent to a bill passed by the state legislature or determining or determining the time needed for a party to prove its majority or which party must be called first to do so generally after a hung verdict in an election there are however no provisions laid down for the manner in which the governor and the state must engage publicly when there is a difference of opinion the management of differences has traditionally been guided by respect for each other's boundaries what have been the friction points in recent years these have been largely about the selection of the party to form a government deadline for proving majority sitting on bills and passing negative remarks on the state administration 
In November 2018, then JNK Governor Satyapal Malik dissolved the assembly amid indications that various parties were coming together to form the government. This paved the way for the centre to later bifurcate the state into, into two union territories by considering the governor as the government. In November 2019, after a hung verdict in Maharashtra, Governor Bhagat Singh Koshyari quietly invited BJP leader Devendra Fadnavis and administered him oath as CM. This government lasted just 80 hours. Six months later, Koshyari refused to nominate CM Udhav Thakre, the Legislative Council, leading Thakre to meet PM Narendra Modi to resolve the issue. In West Bengal, Dhankar has often commented on law and order and political violence. Ravi, in his previous stint as Nagaland governor, had criticized affairs of the state and alleged, allegedly interfered in administration. In December 2020, Kerala governor Arif Mohammed Khan turned down a request to summon a special sitting of the assembly to debate the three central farm laws. Following the Karnataka polls in 2018, Governor Vajubhai Wala invited the BJP to form the government and gave B.S. Yadurappa 15 days to prove majority. Challenged by Congress and JDS in the Supreme Court, it was reduced to three days. Is such friction recent? Allegations of the centre using the governor's position to destabilize the government, the state governments, have been made since the 1950s. In 1959, Kerala's EMS Pad government was dismissed based on report by the governor. Several state governments have been dismissed since then, including 63 through President's rule orders issued by governors between 1971 and 1990. These have included Virendra Singh's government in Haryana, Virendra Patil government in Karnataka, M. Karuna Nidhi government in Tamil Nadu, B.S. Shekhavat government in Rajasthan and Saad S.A.D. government in Punjab in 1980. Janata Party governments in U.P. Odisha, Gujarat and Bihar. N.T. Rama Rao government in Andhra in 1984 and Kalyan Singh governments in U.P. 1992 and 1998. These became less frequent during the coalition era at the centre and the emergence of strong regional parties. But why does this happen? Because governors have become political appointees, said Nalsar Chancellor and constitutional expert Faizan Mustafa. Quote, the constituent, the constituent Assembly envisaged governor to be apolitical, but politicians become governors and then resign to fight elections. Constitutional expert Alok Prasanna of Vidhi Centre for Legal Policy said, The CM is answerable to the people, but the governor is answerable to no one except the centre. You can sugarcoat it with ideas of constitutional morality and values, but the truth is there is a fundamental defect in the constitution. There is no provision for impeaching the governor, who is appointed by the president on the center's advice. While the governor has, five, has a five-year tenure, he can remain in office only until pleasure of the president. In 2001, the National Commission to Review the Working of Constitution, headed by retired CGI MN Venkachalia, had set up by the Atal Bihari Vajpayee said, because the governor owes his appointment and his, constitu and his continuation in the office to the Union Council of Ministers in matters where the central government and the state government do not see eye to eye, there is the apprehension that he is likely to act in accordance with the instructions, if any, received from the Union Council of Ministers. Indeed, the governors today 
are being pejoratively called the agents of the center. In the constitution, there are no guidelines for exercise of the governor's powers, including for appointment, appointing a CM or dissolving the assembly. In the constitution, there are no guidelines for exercise of the governor's powers, including for appointment, appointing a CM or dissolving the assembly. There is no limit set for how long a governor can withhold assent to a bill. What reforms have been suggested? From the Administrative Reforms Commission of 1968 to Sarkaria Commission of 1988 and the one mentioned above, several panels have recommended reforms such as selection of the governor through a panel comprising PM, Home Minister, Lok Sabha Speaker and CM, apart from fixing his tenure for five years. Recommendations have also been made for provision to impeach the governor by assembly. No government has implemented any of these recommendations. Moving on, um, there's another very interesting piece in the newspaper that talks about the shift in mobility trends with focus on electric vehicles and hybrid vehicles. India is seeing a shift in mobility trends with more and more consumers expressing interest in electrified and hybrid vehicles as per a Deloitte study. More than 33% of Indian consumers interested in electrified and hybrid vehicles as the segment sets theme with India's focus on environment-friendly, self-manufactured and sustainable solutions. 59% concerned about climate change, pollution levels and gasoline diesel vehicles emissions. And 69% are interested in pre-owned vehicles. That's actually quite interesting. Um, I, for myself, would be very interested in, a, in getting an electric vehicle and that's one of the reasons I still haven't bought a vehicle. Um, but I don't know how easy is it to charge a vehicle, even though Delhi has its own electric vehicle policy, but I don't see an electric uh, charging station around my house. I would want to know your thoughts on this. What kind of a car would you want to buy in today's time? Are you thinking about the, the emissions of your car? Are you concerned about climate change? Are you concerned about the pollution levels? Um, is it something that uh, is, is uh, the fuel of your car something that interests you? Is that a factor? Is something that I'm interested in knowing. Another very uh, interesting news article is about the drone import banning by the government. Uh, the government of India has, has uh, banned the import of drones uh, other than for defense, security and research purposes. The aim is to promote uh, made in India drones according to a notification by the Directorate General of Foreign Trade. The ban will not apply to the imports of drone parts. The government has taken a series of steps to boost domestic manufacturing of drones and drone components, including announcing a rupee 120 crore production-linked incentive scheme and liberalizing drone operation rules. Quote, import policy for drones in CBU completely built up. CKD completely knocked down, SKD semi knockdown form is prohibited with exceptions provided for R&D, defense and security purposes. The DGFT, Director General for Foreign Trade, um, said, even the import of drones for these purposes will require government clearances. The new drone rules 2021 reduce appliances and fee required to, paid, to be paid to operate drones the Civil Aviation Ministry also launched an airspace map of India 
demarcating areas where drones can be used without permission and areas in which drones cannot be operated without obtaining prior permissions from authorities. So all of my buddies who like to fly drones, uh, do check out the airspace map of India where you can see where you can fly your drones without permission and where you need to need to get a permission. Otherwise, you'd be prosecuted, bro. And uh, with this, I would like to put an end to today's episode of the Nan Covers podcast. I really, really hope that you guys um, enjoyed listening to the podcast. I'm trying to get better with them as I do them more often. And I can feel a little bit of a uh, improvement in my reading abilities. But at the same time, I know I need to do better. If there is uh, something that you guys would want to share with me, please do feel free to hit it on the comment section. Um, please do subscribe to the Nancoverse channel, to the Namandatta YouTube channel. The subscribe button would be there somewhere, man. Come on, keep your eyes open. And I hope you guys have a great, great, great life ahead. Stay hydrated, stay happy and give hugs. Hugs are important. We need to express our loves to the people. Uh, we need to express our love to the people around us. And we also need to make sure that we are able to have the good energy that we need to pursue all of the goals that we need to pursue. So signing out of the Nancovers podcast, I wish you guys a great life ahead and stay tuned for the next one. Peace out.